Well, amen. How many of you glad you're here today? How many would rather be here as in jail? Hey, well, I won't know about that, but I, I think it would be a better deal. Say, with this is a, we're coming close to the end of the month, and I'd like to encourage you to join us as we read our book of the month together this year, or this month, A Faithful Marriage. The Bible said without faith, it is impossible to please God. And the greatest thing you can incorporate within your relationship with your mate is faith. We need faith to commit to one another and to commit to God. Amen? Amen. Did you ever run out kind of short on uh, fuses at the house every once in a while? And you say, well, I think I'll just leave. And she says, well, hurry. (laughs) But a faith Full Marriage. And it's a great book. It's $4. You can be at the bookstore. And if it's not worth $4, bring it back. Sean will give you six for it. (laughs) Faith to commit. Faith to yield. You ever heard of submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God? You need faith to do that. You need faith that God will turn out some of those bad decisions you're making <laughs> and she's making or he make. But faith to commit, faith to uh, renew. You know making up's awful, awful lot of fun. Amen? Uh, yeah, well, okay. Hold this for me because I know there'll be a big rush on it. In your Bible, the book of Romans, chapter number 10, please. In your Bible, Romans, chapter number 10. We are in our missions conference. Uh, we believe that the Bible says that the church should go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I believe with all my heart, people without Christ will die and spend eternity in a devil's hell. I believe that with all my heart. And this morning, I want to talk to you for just a little while out of Romans chapter number 10. We've, can you hear me now? My son can put some of the wildest things on that deal. I don't know if he expects me to preach around that, full, that, that phone or not. Watch this. Brethren, verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be, everybody together now, saved. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For him to make that statement evidently as one of, if not the greatest theologian ever to hit the earth, taught as a Pharisee, Taught at the feet of Gamel, the great, great theologian. The man who penned this verse come to a conclusion that Israel needed to be saved. That must indicate that she is lost. And many of us could fit right into this. What's this next verse? For I bear record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. 
No one had more zeal for God than the Apostle Paul. And when he was lost, he uh, preached everywhere in the world. He killed Christians, incarcerated Christians. He had great zeal for his religion, but it was without knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses described the righteousness which is the law that a man which doeth those things shall live by them. In other words, if you want to live the law and you want to get the law to get you to heaven, then you've got to keep every finite, minute detail of the law. You cannot break one, one inkling of a law and go to heaven. And Paul said, now if you want to hang on to that, you go ahead. Verse 6, but the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thine heart who shall ascend to heaven that he bring Christ down from above. Talking about the incarnation. Or who shall descend into the deep that is to bring Christ up again from the dead. Speaking of the resurrection. But what saith the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. What's this? If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Notice he changed from Israel and now he's talking to thee and you and thou. Did you know if you believe that Jesus Christ was virgin born? And did you know if you believe today that Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross? If you believe today that Jesus Christ rose again on the third day, you can be saved. Don't say you are saved, says you can be saved. Now if you do not believe in the virgin birth, the vicarious suffering, and the supernatural resurrection, you can't be saved. That's faith. What's this? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now give me just a minute. This is, this is one of them kindergarten deals. This is the head. Not a very good looking one, but I don't see one I'd trade it for. This is the head. This is the heart. Intellect, experience. Huh? Figure it out, faith. About 18 inches between your head and heart. That sent more people to hell than any distance in the world. Trying to figure out. And you can't figure it out. The finite will never figure out the infinite. We just either believe it or no. Watch this. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. Is anybody here today not ashamed of Jesus? Would you raise your hand? I mean, if you're not ashamed of Jesus, raise your hand real hard. And if you didn't raise your hand, you're going to be as miserable as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs in just a minute. 
For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all, all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then? How then? How then? If everybody's lost, you have your Bible just a minute? Think about it. How then? Go back to Romans chapter 3 for just a minute. Romans chapter number 3. Watch this. Why do we have missions conferences? Why do we send buses all over, the, all over this area? Why do we have soul winning? Why do we go out soul winning every Saturday during the week? Because we really believe the Bible teaches that people without Christ are headed for a torrent, horrible eternity. Verse 10, please. That is written... There is none righteous, no, not one. How many does it say are righteous? None. None are right with God. Without Christ, none has a right standing with God. I'm a good man. I'm a good woman, you say. I'm a good mother. I'm a good father. But you're just not righteous enough to get to heaven on your own. Why would I say that? Verse 11, there is none that understandeth. There is none that seek after God. Back years ago when I was an evangelist, I used to sing a song, he was seeking for me. And when he found me, I certainly wasn't looking for him. Is anybody here like that? He found some of you in a in a juke joint, found some of you in a bar, some of you in a hospital, some of you in jail, some at the house, but you wasn't seeking for him. He was seeking for you. Because the nun seeketh after God. You say, preacher, I'm going to get mad today. Well, you have a right to. You're not seeking God. Notice if you would, please. For they have all gone out of the way. They're all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have... Use deceit. The poison of asps is up under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction, misery. They have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that all things whatsoever the law saith, it says to them who are under the law, that every mouth should be stopped, and all the world might become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. By the law is the knowledge of sin. The Ten Commandments, they're not put there for you to get to heaven. They get there to show you need help to get to heaven. The Mosaic Law, the Old Testament is not there. To ridicule, it's there for a schoolmaster, a mirror by which you may look into and see just how short of God's grace you come and I come. 
So the Bible declares that there's none righteous, no, not one. I read for you just across the page, verse 23, 323. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many of you had children? How many had to spend several years teaching them how to tell a lie? Have you ever had a pouting class at your house? Somehow or another, you just don't have to teach folk to do that. Somehow it just manifests itself. Amen? Because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Regardless of who you are, that's just the way it is. Notice now in Romans chapter 5, if you would please, and verse number 12. Watch this. Well, preacher, uh, we had a DNA test before we got married and all of our blood was was compatible. Uh, the Bible doesn't talk about your compatible blood. Look at verse 12, chapter 5, verse 12. Wherefore, by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death is passed upon all men, for all have sinned. You don't need a, you don't need a theological, theological degree to understand that, do you? Adam blew it. When Eve cooked the first meal from the apple tree, Adam should have gone to Dairy Queen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, verse 8 of chapter 5. But God commended his love toward us. But God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners... Can we say it together? Christ died for us. Who's us? It's everybody. The Bible said God is not willing that any should perish. Now let's go back to chapter 10. And let's look again at a verse. Watch this. If Romans chapter 10 says all have sinned, and it's very plain that there's none righteous, no, not one, not in America, not in Africa, not in Mexico, not in Canada, there's none righteous, no, not one. And because of Adam and Eve's disobedience to Almighty God as representatives of the race, when Adam sinned, all of us sinned with him. You say, how is that possible? Now, this is not original, but it'll work. Do you know if you'd not had any, if your grandparents had not had any children, neither would you? Now, you'll have to think about that just a minute. You, you, you don't need to really get too sad. So, evidently, you came out of your grandparents. That's just the way God designed it. Watch this. And they came out of their grandparents. And they came out of their grandparents. And if you were in your grandparents, when your grandparents got married, you attended the wedding. You just didn't realize it. <laughs> and when your grandparents got married, and they got married, and they got married, we were in all of them. All the way back 
to Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve sinned, you and I were in them. Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world. So death by sin, so death is passed upon all men. For all have sinned. If everybody in the world is lost, and if everybody in the world <coughs> can be saved by merely calling upon the name of the Lord, that's why it said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As he said, Romans chapter 3 condemns all men for that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 5 tells us that we are in our father Adam and because of that we died. I like how he said that if we're, we attended our grandfather's funeral. Uh, funeral or wedding? Uh, I like that. The truth of the matter is, though you may look at me and you say, boy, you're kind of like your dad. Well, there's a lot like my dad. You don't know this, but my chest is so concave that I can eat cereal out of it. <laughs> my belly looks exactly like my dad. I, I get a little, uh, as I get older, it begins to round out. And like he always says, my bubble's not on the level. The truth is, although you may look at me physically, and I have a lot of attributes that are like my father's, the, the scientist could look at me and my DNA would actually be like my father. And you can't see that, can you? You don't see my DNA, but I share the DNA of my father. I share the DNA of my mother. But the Bible tells us that God looks at us, and because of our relationship to our father Adam, we're guilty before God. And I like where he's taking this sermon because he's saying, if this is all true, and if truly men are condemned to a devil's hell, and if truly men are guilty before God, why do we do what we do? Why are we hosting two missionaries this weekend? Why did we host two last weekend? Why will we host two more? It's because the truth is men will spend an eternity in hell. The Bible proclaims that all are guilty before God. So, verse 14, notice with me if you will. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? Now, he poked fun at me earlier about the, the phone on the, uh, on the screen. But I saw where he was taking the sermon. How can they call on someone who they do not know about? How can they uh, uh, believe a message that they've never received? How can they get the truth if no one is giving them the truth? If the Bible's proclaimed that no man seeks after God, if the Bible proclaims that all are guilty before God and all have become unprofitable before God and, and uh, that all are, are not looking to find God, how can they believe on Him? It's because you're a missionary. It's because you have the truth. This morning, if uh, there are many people in this room who no doubt have someone that they know who is dealing with the effects of cancer. Everybody in this room, I would say, has been affected by it in one way or another. You have a friend, you have a relative, you, you have a co-worker who, who got bad news and, 
and they're dealing with, they're either going through the, the uh, protocols or they are eventually, uh, 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 they've been given a death sentence. Now, if I just so happen to find that if you mix the right amounts of cereal together, and if you eat this many Fruit Loops, and this many Lucky Charms, and this many, what's your favorite, Cocoa Puffs, and if you combine them all together, that you can find a cure to cancer. But if I found that, and your relative, your co-worker, your friend was struggling with it, what would you think about me if I kept it to myself? What would you think? Oh, you'd probably get mad at me, wouldn't you? You'd probably think that I was a bad person for hoarding the cure. I mean, look at all the people struggling. Look at all the people that are, are worried. Look at all the people who will eventually succumb to the effects of cancer. And you're selfish because you have the cure. Truth is, you have the cure. We look at cancer like it's some final destination. My friend, if cancer is the end for somebody, it's only the beginning. We look at cancer and some other diagnosis like uh, they are really what matters in life. No, what matters in life is that every man that does not know Jesus as their personal Savior will stand guilty before God. They will stand condemned. Whether you know it or not, you have the cure. What is the cure? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This morning you have the cure. Oh, it's not some concoction of cereal. It's not some antidote or some antivenom. No, it's none of those things. It's the fact that if Jesus be lifted up, He will draw all men unto Himself. And men will be attracted to someone who gave Himself for them. I can't get too in-depth in my message tonight. You're still in my thunder tonight. I'm going to have to find something else in this inexhaustible book to preach. Truth be told, you have the cure. But how can they hear if they do not have a preacher? How can they call upon someone who uh, they have not heard? I love the story of, of the eunuch who's, who's found reading the book of Isaiah. And he genuinely was interested. I believe if you can say that anybody in history has ever sought to know God, he was trying to do it. To the very best of his knowledge and intellects and experience, he opened the book of Isaiah, trying to understand the unfathomable gifts that it had to offer. But as it spoke of an atoning blood, and as it spoke of a, a, a Savior who would die for all mankind, the man was confused because none of it made sense. Not too long after, he sees a, a preacher, and the preacher comes up to him and says, Understandest what thou readest? And the words that he says ought to speak volumes to us. Amen. How can I except some man show me? He was genuinely sincere. From the very depths of his heart, he was worried. And with every bit of person and, and every bit of experience he had, he was looking for God. But at the end of the day, he had to admit this. 
how can I accept someone who's experienced what I have not experienced, who knows just what I do not know, who has tasted of something that I desire to taste, but I don't know how to prepare for myself. How can I know except some man show me? You're the man. You're the man. We each share a different group of, of, uh, of associates, of acquaintances. You know, my friends are not your friends. And by the look of you, I don't want some of your friends. <laughs> I'll tell you what. But I, I would never even meet some of the people that you know very well. I'm privileged this morning to have one of my good friends. Josh is here. Josh, it's good to see you this morning, buddy. Me and Josh are buds. But did you know Josh has friends that I don't know? Did you know Brother Robert here and Brother John? Well, John doesn't have any friends. But, <laughs> but did you know that you have a whole group of people that will never stand under my preaching? Did you know that there's a, a group of people that you can affect and you can touch farther than I could ever reach? You're the man. You're the man and you have the cure. So what are you going to do? Are you going to selfishly hoard what has changed your life? And what you know has the potential to change others' lives? Or are we going to become the man that God wants us to be, the woman that God wants us to be, the one who delivers the cure, the one who so unashamedly uh, proclaims the truth of God's Word and just simply says, I know a man who changed my life. I, I can't show you some of the deeper riches of the book. I, I don't know that much about uh, uh, ecclesiology or eschatology or pneumatology or soteriology or, or homardiology or bibliology or Christology or theology. I don't know a lot about those things, but I do know that one day a man told me about Jesus and I know that He changed my life and I know that I'm on my way to heaven and I know that if you believe in Him and if you trust what He did on Calvary for you, I know without a shadow of a doubt that you can know where you'll spend eternity. Are you going to be the man? Because you have the cure.